So let's just transition a little bit more to those three jobs that you have and just talking a little bit more about like how you balance that on your time management. So that was rough at first. Um, time management is always something that, you know, we're all human beings. We all get tired. We all need that energy refresher. Um, but for me, it's really about finding something that motivates you. Um, that's the main thing that that pushes me. So um, like right now I'm tired, you know, I may be tired, it's late, you know, but you always have to find something that motivates you, whether it's the money, whether it's your family, whether it's, you know, a goal that you have or something that you're seeking, whether that be starting a business, whether that be investing, you really have to find your why. That's just going to be your main thing, especially if you want to maximize. I, I see 20 years or 30 years old as the peak time that you can really push yourself to your limits physically, because after 30, your body, you know, your body doesn't work the same. You need more rest mm -hmm. and things like that. So I'm really a big proponent of pushing yourself and maximizing your earning potential as soon as you can. But of course, you want to watch out for your health as well. So mm -hmm. as far as work-life balance, I still make time to go out and hang out with my friends. I actually, um, they actually just had a live in-person ceremony up in Tallahassee this past weekend for the graduates of 2020, obviously, because we didn't have the mm -hmm. in-person ceremony because of COVID. Right. Um, so I was able to actually take off the weekend from all my jobs um, and go up there and celebrate with my family and to celebrate my accomplishments, you know, properly, obviously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a blessing to be able to do that, but really having an open communication with your superiors is another big thing. Um, forming that relationship early is the biggest thing that you can do. Um, I actually have two classmates that also work for CVS and quick story. Um, when I first started working for CVS, this goes back to the errors that I was talking to you about. Mm -hmm. um, I was counting, you know, C2s in the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was a floater, brand new to pharmacy, you know, just trying to make sure I wasn't making any errors. And I got off the next day I was off, you know, just, you know, hanging out with some friends. I get a call from the pharmacy manager at the store that I was floating at. Mm -hmm. And she says, hey, you know, the C2 count is off on this specific medication. And I said, and she's, you know, she questioned me. She said, do you back count your C2s? You know, what is your process about counting your controlled substances? And I said, well, it's according to CVS, you know, CVS policy. And, you know, mm -hmm. I follow that. And she said, um, you know, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the pharmacy manager and I need to make sure that things are going according. And I said, okay, that's fine. Um, and after I got off the phone, I called my district manager and I said, hey, you know, the pharmacy manager just called me and, you know, basically kind of accused me of, you know, stealing a couple pills of a C2 controlled substance. Right. And I said, um, what should I do about that? You know, and I, I don't know how she got my number because, you know, I don't, you don't give out your number to, you know, other people. Right. Um, and I asked her, you know, how did she get my number? And um, she said, well, that was very inappropriate of her to call you on your day off. She should have contacted me and I'm going to reach out to her and have a discussion with her. And everything was fine after that. But the ability for me to communicate with my district leader and the district leader to actually hear what I'm saying, we were able to take that relationship from that incident, you know, that incident and mm -hmm. actually push forward and build a very, very close professional relationship. Again, that's why I was picked to be the, you know, the lead, the go-to on the COVID-19 vaccine, you know, when we brought it out um, because of my relationship with my district manager. Mm -hmm. And I have a classmate who also worked for CVS, but didn't know the, the district manager as well. So when it came time to negotiate and it came time for those pay increases, my name was at the top of the list because one, my name was known and mm -hmm. two, because of the things that I had done to, 
to work with her on certain things. So I like to say, if your manager comes to you when it's time for your raise or your evaluation, and you're just another name on a sheet of paper, that's not, that's not good. That's right. not gonna, that's not going to work out well for you because not only do they not know who you are, they don't know your character, they don't know your worth ethic because they don't ha- they haven't built that rapport with you. All they see right. is another pharmacist asking for a pay raise. They don't see okay, hey, this is Xavier Johnson. He's done this, this, and this over the past you know one to two years. He's a great guy. I've I've known him for a while. Hey, you know because at the end of the day, they have to get that cleared by their superior. Right. So they can, they can, you know, if they really want to vouch for you, they can. Mm-hmm. So that was something that even when I was leaving CVS, the district manager did not want to let me go. And because I had met the regional manager and the district manager, they pushed really, really hard to make sure that I stayed there. Ultimately, I left. But that that's, I mean, that's really, really key is having those relationships with your superiors and re- not, not, you know, kissing their butt or anything but making sure that you're professional and that you maintain a standard of excellence. And I I love FAMU saying with this excellence with caring, and that's really what it's all about is exuding that excellence with caring. And I I love that motto for that reason. Right. And that's kind of what I'm learning as a pharmacy student too, is just trying to build rapport with your superiors and not being afraid of them. Like I was, you know, in a past episode, I talked about my undergrad experience at UF being the massive college that it is. And you're just a number, you know, out of the entire lecture hall of students and, you know, know your professors that well. So I was always afraid to like talk to them if I had a question or, you know, bring up like, Oh, like I needed help with this concept or something. But like, as I got into pharmacy school and at UF and it was just a way smaller knit, definitely more community-based and just learning to overcome that fear of, okay, like I can approach this professor and ask, you know, and talk to them and build rapport with them. And, you know, that obviously leads to future connections and, you know, future jobs even too. I mean, the possibilities are endless with, you know, who everyone knows, especially in the pharmacy world. So definitely agree and concur with all of what you said so far. It's been really helpful. Great. So um, for someone like me, who's a student and very eager to become a pharmacist, how did you find your transition from an intern to a pharmacist? Did you have any challenges or do you have any advice into stepping into that pharmacist role? Okay. So it really depends on what part of pharmacy you go into. So I can only speak for retail and a little bit of managed care. So I'm going to kind of stick with that. But I have a couple of friends that I might actually put you in contact with that can speak about the other opportunities within pharmacy. So we got residency, we have industry. I have a couple of friends that are in industry as well that, I mean, I think would be really great to have on the, on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but from a retail standpoint, the transition is, it's, it's a lot, um, especially if you're working at a busier retail chain, Walgreens, CVS, um, things can get really hectic. You know, a couple of my friends that work for CVS had some mental breakdowns at some point, especially with the transition from regular pharmacy to pharmacy during and after COVID. Mm -hmm. Because I remember like, especially at Publix and CVS kind of, they got it together um, as they went along. But at the beginning of the pandemic, it was solely on the pharmacists to immunize. So we were doing 60 to 70 immunizations a day minimum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we have regular workflow. Right. So can I mean, you can imagine running back and forth out of the pharmacy 70, 80 times a day 
you know, mm-hmm. trying to draw up syringes and trying to keep everything else, you know, tight and together. So it's, it's, it's quite challenging. Retail has its challenges. You know, it's not for people who can't be people persons. You know what I mean? If you're mm-hmm. not good interacting with others and you can't, you know, handle stress, that retail is not for you because they can get really, really stressful in retail. I mean, especially when you have now, Publix doesn't have metrics, but Walgreens and CVS do, where mm-hmm. they actually monitor quite a bit of what you do as a pharmacist, from answering phone calls, how, how quickly you answer phone calls, how long cars are in the drive-through, how many times you push a certain key, how many prescriptions are past what's called promise time. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that they track at Walgreens and CVS that puts even more pressure on you to meet metrics like um, CVS also have what's called we care scores. So that's where the customer gives back feedback. And, you know, to let them know that we care, we have to provide certain customer service to them. So again, all those metrics on top of your normal everyday workflow, I forgot, I even forgot about uh, PCC calls. Mm -hmm. So that's when you do customer outreach to the, you know, to the the customer saying, hey, you know, you have a medication ready for pickup, or hey, I need to offer counseling, that's on top of your normal workflow. Mm -hmm. So um, again, you don't see the stress. I mean, you may see the stress as an intern, but when it's solely on your shoulders as a pharmacist, it's a totally different feeling. I, I really like looking back on all the situations when I've been next to a pharmacist, and I've seen them act a certain way, it now clicks in my mind, okay, this is what they were thinking. Okay, this is what they were feeling. Okay, now I understand why they were like, hey, go over here and do this this minuscule task while I gather myself or while I process what's going on here in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. So it, it made a lot more sense once I was in their shoes and I was standing and there's nobody behind you telling you, you know, whispering over your ear the answer or giving you the, you know, giving you the answer or guiding you. It's you, it's just you. I mean, of course, you can call your classmates or call somebody, you know, that works within the company that you may have met or, you know, had somebody that had your back. But at the end of the day, it's you who's, you know, making that final verification or making that final decision. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeing now is I I have the same sentiments with retail as you, because I mean, I've seen how even today, the store I worked at was just absolutely insane. Um, I don't know if you've heard recently, maybe your CVS colleagues told you, but they have virtual verification now. Yeah, they just added that. Yeah. When I was leaving, they were doing the virtual verification and I was, uh, one of my uh, classmates was talking about all the bag errors that you all are experiencing right now because, you know, the technicians are it, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're bagging, they're putting the pills in the bag. They're showing Mm -hmm. the the pills to the camera. Like all of that is done there. And I'm like, I, I really, the only thing I don't like about that is me as a pharmacist, I like having the fu- the bag in front, you know, I yeah. like being that last check. You know what I mean? Right. I like saying this prescription left, but it left my, my hands were the last to touch it. You know, yeah. that no. that's, mm-hmm. that's what I like. I like that responsibility. And I like that, you know, having that on me, because I know that this, this couldn't, couldn't have gone out unless it went through my hands. Mm-hmm. So And rightfully so, because even as a, you know, intern right now, and I was at the store I was at, they, they used to have, you know, their usual flow was like, they had like eight pages in QP and, you know, now with virtual verification, making everything super slow, they had, um, when I got there yesterday, it was at 56 pages. And when I left today, it was at 77. So you already know like how much of a mess that is. The pharmacists there are just, you know, trying their very best and, you know, but 
I, um, you know, I worked at, I float around to other stores. So I like to get, you know, different experience with different pharmacists Of course. and at another store, um, I actually bagged everything up, but at this store, they were like, oh, it's just, you know, easier for us to just, you know, just how it was before, keep it in the bin. And then the pharmacist actually bags it, even though it's technically complete, but I feel like that's a little like fail safe way of, you know, you're adapting to the new system and the pharmacist still kind of gets to have like that last touch on it because, even I, I know, for example, I think the prescription was for two boxes of Levamir or something. And I only scanned one box because I didn't realize at the time that it was two. So then I went and grabbed the second one, but you know, the pharmacist saw it on the verification was like, Hey, like, did you put two boxes in there? You know, it's just, it brings like that doubt in their minds. And I know that's so scary. Like as a pharmacist, mm-hmm. since it's your license on the line. So I don't know. I mean, I know the virtual verification thing is just a huge, just that's what it's all about right now, um, especially with COVID and everything trying to make, I've even heard a rumor, like they're going to have pharmacists work from home and just verify from home because they have the images now, but still, I think that's just so scary and, you know, the world just changing so fast, especially with us. And so I don't even. Absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, uh, based upon Florida law, we can actually be remote and watch our technicians, you know, via C- CTV cameras or whatever. Um, so, I mean, that's a loophole. I'm not a loophole, but it's a part in the law where we can actually, you know, do that. So, I mean, th- I wouldn't be surprised that they move toward that in retail just so we can start getting because they can pay us less to be at home. You understand what I'm saying? Right. right. So that's a whole other topic, but it's just you know, the way they can just save money too, is just, I'm sure, you know, that's a whole other (laughs) discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what advice would you give to a first year pharmacy student or someone interested in becoming a pharmacist? Okay. So this is a great question. Again, I I, I love questions because there's always like a, an experience or like a story that I can tell with, with every question. So being a floater pharmacist, um, with, with Publix, I've actually had the opportunity to meet a lot of interns. So I'm trying to think of his name, Dawson. Okay. Dawson is one of them. Um, and he's actually going to UF um, in the summer. So he's actually coming there um, as a new P1 um, this okay. upcoming semester. Mm-hmm. Uh, met him and he asked me, you know, he's like, hey, Xavier, you know, what, what do you, what kind of advice do you, would you give me as a first year? Um, you know, what, what, what can I expect? What is it like? And I said, the biggest thing that you're going to have an issue with when you start in pharmacy school is time management. That's going to be the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, time management being when you study, are you studying the material or are you studying basically trying to gather all of the material together in a way that you can understand it? So that's what most of the time we spend our time writing out our notes, right? Mm -hmm. We spend our time gathering resources, like looking through different resources to get the information, right? Can you, can you agree with that? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So a lot of times I would, you know, have a lecture. I would come back from lecture and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to rewatch this lecture. Do you all have a uh, recorded lectures? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I rewatched the lecture, write out notes based upon a lecture, right? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, if they had any supplemental resources like literature or mm-hmm. anything that I had to go through PowerPoints, I would then look through the PowerPoints or that additional literature then you got to bring all that together and structure it in a way where you understand it and you can see it and you, you know, different learning styles, you know, tactile, you know, visual learners, auditory learners, you have to then take that information and put it in a way that you can understand. Now, this is where my advice comes in. Get yourself a NAPLEX book. When you come into the program, 
get yourself a Naplex book. Take that Naplex book, right? Break it up, get it binded into the section that you're learning for that class. So say you're doing hypertension, you get hypertension or all your heart diseases, congestive heart failure, angina, da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. You get all that binded together. You sit in class and you take notes and you add to whatever's in an Aplex book. Now your drugs are already in drug charts for you. The information is already there. Now you can take, okay, if the professor wants you to know something that's not there, now you can just add it into your book or add a sticky note or add your own page in there and then, you know, get it unbound and add another page in there. But everything is there for you. Drug, drug tables, side effects, all of that is there for you. So now you can just add to it rather than trying to, because I have binders and binders and binders full of things that I wrote and I made, like even when we did medicinal chemistry, like I had, I mean, thick binders that were like the, the big entering <laughs> binders that I had like notebook paper for days in. And that it was just, it wasn't an, an effective use of my time. Did I learn and did I do well? Yes, absolutely. But I could have managed my time better using a resource that's already pre-done for me Right. Having all of that already. I mean, it's in you. St- have you seen the newest uh, Naplex book? I haven't. No, the 2022, but I it, it, it's beautiful. I mean, it's color coded. Everything is the sections are beautiful. They updated the key drug guides and the tip gals. Everything is there for you. All you have to do is sit in class, absorb the information, look at your book while the, while the professor is teaching, write in a couple of things, because most of the things that they're going to talk about are going to already be in the book. But some mm-hmm. of the things obviously such as the, you know, the hard literature and clinic, clinical trials and things like that. Obviously, you're going to have to add that to the book because it's not a, it's not a cover all. It's not a, you know, it's not going to encompass everything, but it covers the majority of pharmacology, drug-drug interactions, all the things that you really need to know the past and Naplex. So now you add in that, that top layer, you're good to go. Yeah, honestly, I have not heard anyone say that before. And I think that's an amazing idea. Like, I don't know why I never thought before, but that's, I'm actually going to go on Amazon and look for this book right now because I am totally about that because like, I'm always about that work smarter, not harder, you know, like why, you know, take extra time to do that when that material and that resource is right there for you. And that's, what's going to be, you're going to be quizzed on that for the, the Netflix. So it's like, that makes so much sense. You know, absolutely. I had a P1 that uh, goes to fam that I started her off on that. She's valedictorian of her class right now because wow. she's, like I said, she did exactly what I, what I told you to do, you know, take the book, unbind it, take that section of class with you. And she's done that the whole year. She had a 4.0. Wow. And she was able to be like class president. She was able to pledge in a, in a sorority. She was so, it freed up so much of her free time that she was able to be like snap a president at her, at, in her chapter, like all these extracurricular things that we think would be insane to do when you're in pharmacy school because of the, you know, the work-life balance. But because I've, cut down on that study time. Now we have all this free time on the back end, you know, where it takes you a whole night of studying six, eight hours worth of studying. Now it's only two, Mm -hmm. three hours worth of studying. You get home at five o'clock, you're done by eight. You can go out and, you know, if you, if you're that kind of person, if you want to go out and party or you want to go out and, you know, have fun, you can do that now because you've, you've reduced that time. But Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there was nights I spent eight to 12 hours in the library Yeah, and I, and that's just, that's ridiculous in my, in my mm-hmm. point, you know, looking back on it now, seeing what I could have done, that's the advice that I would give to new students. 
Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And I'm even going to take that advice, even though, I'm, you know, starting my third year, it's never too late. And oh, I, no, no. And you mm-hmm. can, and you get that, that jump on the Netflix as well. So yeah. all those, all those topics and everything is now ingrained and, in, you know, ingrained and ready for you, especially if you want to go the residency track, there's a mm-hmm. lot of great information, you know, on the residency side of the house, because if you know the minute details, you'll be fine. Yep. Those clinical pearls, <laughs> you yes. got to know them. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, that's definitely something I'm going to be looking into because I definitely do want to take the residency path. Um, just recently I've, you know, when I work at Leesburg hospital and then I work at CVS, I've really just been, you know, after each day, just reflecting on my shifts and kind of observing what the pharmacist role is in each of those, because I'm thinking, Hey, like, do I see myself here? Do I see myself there? And, you know, hospital and retail are just completely different worlds. They are. And I'm just leaning definitely more towards the hospital side, just because I, you know, the, the stress of retail just like gets to me a little bit too much as I've seen, you know, I've been there for three years now before, during, and kind of, well, during COVID again, I guess, but, you know, almost after COVID hopefully, but, you know, that's just something that I'm starting to learn. So I'm definitely now starting to get more serious about what I want to think I want to do. So you know, all this like really helps, you know, kind of narrow down like my, you know, career paths. So, Absolutely. so, yeah. um, so do you have any questions for me since we're wrapping up the episode? Um, so where do you see yourself in five years? What are, what are your, your career goals uh, as of now? I mean, obviously we know that those change and, mm-hmm. you know, things happen, but as of now, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? That's the first question. And then the <laughs> second question is going to be, um, what are you doing to make yourself competitive as a new graduate? So what are the kind of, what kind of things are you looking forward to completing or doing um, with the remaining time that you have left in pharmacy school to make yourself, especially if you want to do a residency, mm-hmm. what, what steps are you taking to make sure that you're competitive, really? Oh, thanks. Okay. Right. Well, those are two great questions. So first, my five-year goal, well, I definitely want to obviously graduate pharmacy school, obviously try to find a job that I love. And actually with that CTP I had with Oscar, we were kind of trying to narrow that down. He was like, you know, going through, okay, do you want Monday through Friday? Do you want to work weekends? Do you want to travel? You know, just going through different types of criteria that you would think and consider before applying for a job. So we kind of narrowed down a few, um, you know, that I would, I'm going to look into now and try to consider. So there is, you know, like a med safety pharmacist, med safety quality, um, oncology as well. Um, just, you know, a few different options for me to look at since I'm still kind of early in my pharmacy, you know, school career. So in five years, I guess I see myself hopefully getting into one of those jobs. I know at first you kind of start at the bottom and you kind of work your way up to one of those you know, even starting out as a a consulting pharmacist, one of our directors at Leesburg, um, Dr. Heather Petrie, she, um, you know, she started out as a consulting pharmacist. And, you know, I actually, I'm going to talk to her a little bit more about that when I see her next and just kind of figure out what that's like. So I know she was doing that uh, at a long-term care facility. And she said, you know, that was pretty, a pretty good gig. And, you know, she's worked her way up and now she's like pretty high up in admin. So, you know, there's things like that, you know, I kind of see myself maybe going in that path, but, and then in terms of, um, how I make myself competitive, well, I'm actually the president of our SNAFA chapter at UF Orlando. So that's really exciting. And I kind of have 
I'm starting to form my vision since the school year is coming up of all the projects and things that I want to be a part of. I know that going to, you know, the regional conferences and the national conferences are huge and, you know, getting your name out there and connecting and um, also just, you know, locally in my chapter, just doing projects that, you know, would get you known. And then also at work, um, Oscar has us do projects and I chose to do mine on, I've kind of, I'm kind of interested in like the pain management, even though I haven't taken that course yet, but I definitely want to, you know, learn more about it. So I think Leesburg is starting an opioid stewardship committee, and I know it's kind of like in the works now, and especially with COVID and some stuff that happened at the hospital recently, you know, that hasn't really formed yet. And I'm just kind of helping him with some background work, but he gives each intern their own project. And then, you know, with the work that I've done for him so far, he wanted us to try to go to mid-year and do a presentation. So that's something you know, I'm not super familiar with yet. As a first year student, I was like, oh my gosh, like mid-year, what is that? I'm so scared. Like, I don't know what that is. But now that I know it's, you know, something that will really help you um, be known and recognized. Yeah. So that's something that I'm going to look into now is just, you know, trying to work up towards that with a few other colleagues from work. So. Yeah, definitely. Make sure you all work together. Um, I was blessed to be able to go to um, the one in Las Vegas, I think it was two years ago. Um, but that, that one was great. I had a great time in Las Vegas and was able to really, really put myself out there. Um, that was when really when I was in the middle of my hardcore going for residency. And, um, mm-hmm. so absolutely that's, that sounds really great, Rachel. I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Thanks. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode and to our listeners. Thank you. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of capsule production podcast. If you enjoyed our episode today, please be sure to subscribe and look out for new episodes each week. Until next time.